Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. The Last Man on Earth, or the Vincent Price Appreciation Post. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's pandemic mini episode. I am your co ghost, Ash, joined as always by the Lit Crit Guy, also known as John. How's it going, John? Good. I am now absolutely recording. I promise you, <laughs> no, no more top quality content is going to be lost. Uh, yeah, a little behind the scenes here. Um, we've been talking for like five minutes just about how amazing and cool Vincent Price was. And I thought we were recording the whole time. And in my head, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. Like, like audio B-roll to start the episode with. And then no, dreams are dashed. I'm sorry. But I guess I guess it's a good thing in a way because that just means I get to talk about Vincent Price again. So hey, hey, there's always a silver lining, and that silver lining is usually like nine out of ten times it is Vincent Price. <laughs> um, well, with that as context, what is what is today's film? We are talking about the 1964 sleeper hit, The Last Man on Earth, starring Vincent Price. It's a riff oh. on Richard Matheson's classic. Um, Oh my god. I am legend. There we go. I am legend, yeah. Um well, wh- wh- where should we start? Where should we start with this? Well, I guess a quick pl- uh, a quick plot summary for anyone who hasn't seen this movie. And I mean like this movie, this movie is uploaded on every single video streaming. I'm sure there's a copy of it on Pornhub. It's you know, in the like, public domain by now, surely. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's an every if you've ever bought one of those like 100 horror movie DVD sets, you've definitely uh, own a copy of this film. Uh, the the backdrop to the movie is that uh, a deadly biological plague sweeps across the world, transforming most of humanity into vampire-like zombie-adjacent creatures. Vincent Price is the final surviving man, as the title would suggest. He spends his days hunting down and exterminating these vampires while uh, frantically researching a cure. Unbeknownst to Vincent Price, who plays Dr. Morgan, the, the zombie vampires that people have been turned to, they're, they're still self-aware, they're sentient. They're not like, they're not like um, 28 Days Later rabid psycho monsters. Um, and he, he has been killing people his entire time. And these people have actually rebuilt society they're starting to function. They're starting to cope with their condition and, and bring things back together. And he has become the monster. They, they tell stories about him sweeping through the darkness and, and killing people. And he, in the end of the movie, he realizes that he is the thing that he's been hunting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So where should we start with this? What, what, what was it that you wanted to kind of um, to bring up first? Um, so first I would like to bring up how amazing this movie is because it stars Vincent Price. It is so, oh, it's so good. It, it all right, controversial opinion, maybe the best Vincent Price film ever. Ooh, ooh, that is controversial because we live in a world that has Witchfinder General. Ooh. And I mean like right. really like Vincent Price top, top two is top <laughs> is so good, you know, like I don't I don't really think there's honestly like a bad Vincent Price role. Like even like even his most hammy and ridiculous stuff, like the Tingler, like the Tingler is still good. <laughs> but um, um, 
And I much prefer this to the Charlton Heston adaptation in the 70s, was it? Called The Omega yeah, Man. Yep. yep. Which is 70s, really disappointing. Yeah, Omega Man was really awkward. And most of that comes down to the fact that Heston's just a bad actor. Uh, correct. <laughs> like, Heston, Heston is just completely one-dimensional. And for, like, a horror villain that you don't know is a villain until the end of the movie, you need somebody with a lot more emotional depth than that. Like, stick stick Heston as a we- in a Western, and he'll be fine. But, like, this is, this is kind of, like, heavier material. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Vincent Price is a much better actor. You know, you know, you know what's funny is I just, I just referred to Charlton Heston as one-dimensional. He played Moses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know you're like, give him these one-dimensional roles. Like, like, he's a great heel in a Western movie or, like, another basic character like Moses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really kind of straightforward uh, B-movie stuff, right? Um, but no, Vincent Price, great actor, really sells the kind of monotony and the... And the uh, boring routine that you have to kind of get through in order to in order to survive the 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 nightmare of the of the virus so uh another another fun vincent price fan another another fun vincent price fact um the uh remakes of matheson's i am legend aren't the only things that charlton heston and vincent price have in common they were actually they they were actually co-stars on the ten commandments movie Heston played Moses. Vincent Price played one of the Pharaoh's dudes named Baca. Oh, oh, that that I did not know. <laughs> ten, ten, we are we are playing uh, ten degrees of Vincent Price Charlton Heston connection. <laughs> uh, any other favorite favorite to Vincent Price facts before we before we talk about the film? Um, outside of the fact that he's amazing. <laughs> He, did, I mean, like in some of the stuff we were talking about before we recorded, he did, he did AIDS awareness work. <clears throat> he yep. he did like fine art charity work. He did horror movie museum work. He was he was very supportive of queer rights because he himself was queer. Like Vincent Price, just across the board kicks ass. He also starred with Muppets, and I mean, come on, <laughs> like the, the, this guy's taken all the. If you want to live the dream, just live Vincent Price's life. Yeah, absolutely. What what more could you ask for? Literally uh, nothing. <laughs> I, I did not know that you also have Vincent Price's cookbooks. Oh, uh, yes. I, I am an amateur collector of Vincent Price memorabilia. I've got his cookbooks. Um, I, was, I was telling John, I've got his book on art collecting. I've got uh, a signed copy of his autobiography. Um, I like what I know. Uh, yeah, I'm t- super huge fan of Vincent Price. I really want to... So he sponsored an art collection with uh, Sears... Uh, the the retailer chain that went belly up like a decade and a half ago or something in the, in the United States, and his his whole thing when he when he started that partnership is he he wanted fine art that the average American could own, mm. and so now you can find like just kind of one of a kind art pieces like these aren't prints these are like one of a kind actual pieces of fine art, and on on the back there's a little placard that says like part of the Vincent Price and Sears collection. Uh, I would love to own one of those. <laughs> They're, you know, they're all like pretty fucking tacky, you know, because it's like weird mid-century like wall art, but like it's it's worth it for the for the memes. You know, one of the things that I really love about this podcast is that we can go from having an hour-long discussion about uh, Lacanian theory and penises <laughs> <laughs> to talking about 
uh, your in- deeply endearing love for Vincent Price. <laughs> I just, I just think sometimes I just pause. I like to pause and go, you know what? We do a pretty fucking cool show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is this is. I mean, being so first goal be Vincent Price. Second goal horror movie podcaster. It's not. It's not the worst way to go. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. But. Uh, I I just I just wanted to appreciate the fact that we always are putting out uh, varied and interesting content for our listeners. <laughs> um, so we have established Vincent Price, queer icon, gourmet chef, uh, extremely cool ghoul, uh, <laughs> and uh, and star of this adaptation of the classic 1950s gothic horror novel uh, by Richard Matheson. Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the movie itself. So I think the first the first thing I want to talk about in relation to this movie is that like Vin- Vincent Price throughout his whole career loved playing villains. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, and one of the Famously. things he kind of personally felt was that like a lot of actors don't give villains the depth they deserve. He wanted to give villains character. He wa- he wanted to breathe life into them and make them more than like mustache twirling bad guys. And so when you know like throughout his career he gets like handed these absurd roles like dr fibes or something and like <laughs> he he puts so much heart or like um or like goldfoot like like he he gets like just these ridiculous roles and he puts so much heart into them and i think this is another one of those right because this is one of those movies where we are with what we believe to be the protagonist for the entire film only in the end we realize that they're in fact the villain yeah absolutely and i think like this there's an interesting parallel I want to draw between Vincent Price's character and and a new character in the COVID-19 uh, extended cinematic universe, and that's the uh, Reopen the Country protesters. Oh, yes. So so we've got, we, we've, and just in the last week, we, we have like this whole new thing where like the, these MAGA dorks are, are protesting to reopen the United States economy and like, what what they don't like like they're chanting like let us work but they don't want to go back to work right they want the poor people of color women to go back to work so that they can get their food service they can get their haircuts they can have all of their uh, uh niceties back they themselves don't want to be put back in risk and be put back in danger they just want their stuff again yeah and i think when we've got this movie right the last man on earth with vincent price vincent price is going around literally slaughtering people hoping to return the world back to his normal to 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 a normal that would be good for him without realizing that the the people he's killing you you know like they're trying to survive this horrible pandemic that's happened to them yeah if if i if i if i kill enough people i'll get my adorable daughter back yeah yeah that's his whole thing he's just going around slaughtering people because he's so bent on his own personal needs yeah, you know, absolutely. He, he's got no connective tissue to, to these people and, and the world they form. And even when he realizes... Well, he doesn't um, even see them as people, right? They're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're monsters. He, he sees them as monsters, yeah. But even even in the end, when Dr. Morgan realizes that they're still people, they still have lives, they still think, he even falls in love with one for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, even when he's gone through all of that, he still he still can't accept them. As, as he's dying, he's calling them freaks and monsters and stuff. Yeah, claiming that he's the last true man. He's the last man on Earth. And it's that same kind of selfishness, right? It's that same kind of inability to look beyond himself and his own needs. Even though, like, 
on, on any kind of moral analysis, uh, Dr. Morgan is way more defensible because he's doing this from the standpoint of an unthinkable personal tragedy. Yeah. And, and the reopen America protester types are doing this because they want haircuts that, that are from their favorite salon or whatever. I think that's a really important point that they're not interested in reopening America so that they can go back to work. That's, that's just an excuse. I think that's a really important point that this is I want it to go back to normal and I don't care if you have to die for yes. that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it's a, what and, it is. And I mean, like, they're doing exactly what Dr. Morgan is, or they're going to be doing what Dr. Morgan is doing. Dr. Morgan is committing genocide. You know, yeah. like, like there are, there are no qualms about his villainy in the movie. He is literally exterminating every single person with this disease. And, and publicly burning their bodies. Yep, and that that is exactly what the the reopen America protesters are going to be doing. They're literally going to be committing genocide, right? Because yeah. ju- just like with everything else, the the people that are going to be forced to go back to work in a lot of these like quote unquote inessential service positions, they're the queer community, they're women, they're people of color, they're they're people who are otherwise forced to the margins of society, and they will be the ones 100%. who will be dying by the truckload. A hundred percent, and people know this, and they don't care. Like as to be as blunt as possible, anyone who is demanding that their favorite sports bar reopen uh, knows that the people who are going to be there taking care of their comfort may well die because of it, and they don't care. Yes, one hundred percent, they don't care. Either that, or like like a lot of a lot of Doctor Morgan's character isn't that he he truly doesn't care. It's 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 that he's truly and entirely blind. Well, to, to this, what's is, going this is on. this was a point that I was going to make, which is like, uh, Doctor Morgan actually has a kind of, I mean, it's misplaced, but there's a sort of nobility of purpose to it, right? Yeah, it's I would agree. It, even even if it's not something that you would condone, you go, okay, he's he is clearly trying to work towards a higher goal. What he thinks his cause is righteous, but these reopen America protesters, uh their desires are incredibly small and selfish like it's it's the political action of like the these people warped by a kind of nietzschean resentment right and it's not even <laughs> it's 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 desperately small and venal and pathetic um but it is kind of terrifying because you know these are the same people with a, a fervent uh, desire to back up to claim their desires with the help of automatic weaponry, if necessary. So I think if I think if anything, uh, Vincent Price is a far, is once again a far more noble villain than <laughs> than the reopen America protesters. I I think you're completely correct with that. I think that is one hundred percent right. It's like oh I can't I can't go to my favorite salon. The Baskin Robbins is closed. Time for hundreds of thousands of people to die. I need to go yep. to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Whereas uh, Vincent Price's character is at least trying to, you know, they they feel like they're trying to save the world somehow. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's that, that's evident in his character too. Like a lot of the uh, like MAGA reopen America protester types, like they're not feverishly working night and day for a cure. They're feverishly doing literally nothing good for society. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whereas, like, Dr. Morgan is dedicated to himself to finding a cure, 
Right. His efforts are actually in vain because the cure he's researching won't work and the vampires have already developed their own treatment system. Yeah. But like nevertheless, like they're like I think you're completely right when you say that there's a very broken and misguided nobility about what he's doing. Yeah. And that does not translate at all to the people who are willing to commit genocide to go to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I I think it's a really instructive moment though, if you want to look at like I've I've we we've talked about this a lot, that politics is about desire. Right? What do you what what is it that you want? And I think if you look at what these people want to understand a lot more about the political situation of the United States at this particular moment and actually why it's so potentially dangerous for so many vulnerable people. There is no kind of higher purpose. There is no kind of new world that could be created. You know, it's their fucking cheap ice cream. (laughs) Right? Yeah. that, That is literally the floor here. It's not like, it's not some misguided desire to to sustain a falling empire or something. It's not some house of usher that's being propped up. It is no, not at it all. is literally they want the convenience back. Yeah. Which it's just like we have I, the I, most venal supervillains in charge <laughs> of our kind of nightmare <laughs> scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, uh in contrast to 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 uh vincent price's character i i just like referring to him as vincent price um there is no there is no kind of hope or positive vision of what the future might be you know open up america so things can go back to the way that they were like that's the best that's the best that you can do um but the whole the whole reason that uh, his character is, has got such pathos is because of this belief that the world could be made uh, better, even it, like as I say, completely misguided, a- absolutely a, a genocidal monster who can't cope with the idea of hybridity or change. But there is there is actual pathos to him. Yeah, and I think so much of that comes down to Vincent Price's character, as we see with both the remake with Will Smith and Charlton Heston, who do a much poorer job. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, fun fun fact. Um, out of all of the ad- adaptations he was privy to, this was Matheson's favorite. Although he also really didn't like this one. <laughs> yeah, he said he thought Vincent Price had been miscast, which uh, see, I it strikes me as a bit harsh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, whatever, Matheson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was the author. He's entitled to his opinion, but yeah, he he also he wrote the screenplay for this one, but he was so upset with how it turned out, he had it under a pen name. <laughs> oh well, that just seems a little bit kind of. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, uh, sc- screenwriter was like Logan Swanson or something like that. That's Richard Matheson hiding from how disappointed he was. But he still wanted the residuals, right? <laughs> oh, you got you got to get that check. I mean, I mean, I can't check. blame him for that. I'd want the check. <laughs> Yeah, didn't take his name off it entirely. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. And it's just like like I think this movie this movie like so many of the pandemic movies we're talking has so much good instructive value. It's got so much good discourse for where we at or where we're yeah. at currently and for our present moment. It's just ooh, these pandemic movies are just so good. Yeah, and there's this whole kind of subplot of um a lot of a lot of the backstories filled out in flashbacks. Yeah. And we see Vincent Price's colleague at their lab, um, and he's the first one really to kind of start sounding the the alarm and talking about 
they, they seem like they're vampires. Uh, <laughs> and and Price is like, that's enough of your conspiracy theories. Uh, and then, of course, uh, his colleague is like outside of his house asking him to come out night after night for years. And I really like that detail. I thought that was one of the most kind of unnerving parts of the whole film, to be honest. I, I, I completely agree. I think that's fantastic. And, and is that not what these people are going to have to live through? Yeah. You know, these people who are saying that this is like some kind of like Chinese produced political weapon and like, like if, if they, if they literally get what they want, which is to pretend like this virus doesn't exist, they're all going to be kind of reaping the whirlwind here. Like I can't count how many posts I see per day that it, it's, it's, it's like the classic meme format of a play in three acts. And they're all some kind of like white supremacist dude. Who's like, the plague isn't real. The Chinese sent it. And then there's there's this guy at a protest, and then the third one is like an update from his Facebook where he's like, the fever's over 103 now, I don't know what to do. And you're like, well... <laughs> well, buddy, I mean, like, we knew what to do, you're just a white supremacist. <laughs> you're an who, idiot. Like, who thinks that the government is, you know, trying to take away his freedom by to, to Take away his Baskin-Robbins, like... I mean, from from my cold, chocolatey with sprinkles, dead hands. <laughs> G- give me my hot fudge sundae, or give me death. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think this movie, this movie is really, it's really good on a lot of levels too. Because like Vincent Price, uh, Doctor Morgan, while he's not being a genocidal maniac, is also coping with the crushing loneliness of social distancing that to the extreme. Is- that like, is so maybe, social distancing to the point where there was one person left. <laughs> that is maybe one of the kind of toughest things about the opening to the film where you see just kind of how monotonous and how boring and how empty his day-to-day routine is. Where it's like, stay home and drink and watch movies of your family who are now dead. Uh... And then the next day, it's time to go out murdering all over again. And that's the yeah, best you can hope for. It's productivity o'clock. <laughs> and I think like that's, that, that for me is one of the most striking parts about his... One of the things I find really interesting about Vincent Price's isolation is it's so caught up in this idea of productivity. Right? Like in, in that beginning kind of montage, he's got this very strict schedule. He's, he's quickly going from thing or activity to activity. Right, he is. He's got that map where he's checking off. He's he's going through the city systemically, slaughtering the vampires. And I, I think there's an interesting parallel with a movie from 1985 called The Quiet Earth. Um, the, the Quiet Earth is about like it's a it's kind of like a sci-fi horror film. There's a, a science experiment goes wrong and disjoints the Earth in time, and there are there are very few survivors from this. And for the longest time, we think that this one man is the lone survivor. And he starts off kind of like Vincent Price, where he's kind of doing just survivalist stuff and trying to connect to people. But then after a while, he just kind of like, it's a combination of him losing his mind and all of those old societal boundaries just collapsing around him. You know, he, he winds up being like, like he wearing women's clothes in this mansion, you know, just kind of doing whatever he wants, just, just fa- facing the kind of madness that is complete and total lack of restriction Mm. and i think there's there's this interesting parallel there's an interesting play between the two right because vincent price is still completely encapsulated within this model of productivity right he has to wake up every morning at this regimented time he's got to run these errands he's got he's got to find these vampires 
he's got no time in like you know his free time is the cure right like like when in his free time he he's trying he's a biologist he's trying to study the disease he's trying to build a cure but like the majority of his time is kind of dedicated to exterminating the vampires that's true but like one thing i would add is like in times of great stress in crisis in survival situations structures and routines are not necessarily the bad thing yes the, the structures and the routines are good right and that's what i mean, um, our, I mean our his protagonist constant, and, and the his constant drive to, to, to being uh, his constant drive for uh violence is obviously not good but well um, it's it's his it's his routine i, I would suggest that's his routine still being completely shackled to to like this capitalist idea of production that is part of the problem for him yeah right he's he's got no time for introspection he's got no time to to reprioritize things that actually matter he just has time to kill vampires and that's the thing that he's most regimented in that's the thing he's most structured for and that's the thing that's most like quote unquote productive like he, he's kind of ambling around a cure and not really moving towards it or away from it um, yeah. he, he's not really spending time like with art or music or literally anything. Well, it's apart just, from like, his apart from his home movies. Yes, yes, but those I, I think even that like that's just that's just more tragic than it is anything else. Yeah. So, is there um, anything else you'd want to uh, say for Vincent Price's The Last Man on Earth? Well, one thing I would say is um, it's really good. <laughs> that's my hot take, <laughs> and I think I think that 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 pathos and that. Um, ex- a, that exploration of what it means to be socially distant, distancing, and the pressures that can put us under, I found deeply kind of affecting watching it. Um, I hadn't watched this film in a very long time, um, and honestly, the first kind of twenty thirty minutes are like very eerie to watch it now, very weird, um, because it feels, in many ways, it feels like we are seeing some things like this. You know, uh, doctors not coming to your home. Is it airborne? Oh no, there are these huge death tolls in Europe, uh, which is a scene in a flashback. Um, so it's really, really good. And it's really, um, in a way, kind of strangely optimistic in its ending as well. If you've never seen it, it's an absolute classic. Please do check it out. Yes, yes. I, I, de- I definitely I agree with all of that. And I think like this movie is just deeply grounded it is just so very when you look past the vampire the literal vampires this movie is so real and it's so grounded in what it's talking about and how it's happening Mm. you know like you you can you can feel our current moment in this film you know happening alongside vampires and vincent price is occasionally hammy acting but I, th- I think uh, you're totally yeah, right. Every about the so ending. often, I, I, I think the the ending is it's really powerful and it's really motivating, right? Because it is it is society's most downtrodden rebuilding, you know, a, a new world from the ashes of the old, quite literally. And that I can't think of anything more optimistic right now than that. Absolutely, then that you know he may be the last man on earth, but there is something new and better that emerges. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to this week's pandemic episode. We'll be back next week with another uh, short episode on some kind of horrifyingly viral and diseased pandemic film. Uh, And until next time, stay spooky. Thanks for joining.
tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs> Ha 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 